0: Nothing? Nothing? (laughs) Two? Can you see? God is good. (laughs) Is it clipping? Mm -hmm. Not clipping? Well, we won't see. you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Because of the time. The time, you know, I'd rather just be more effective. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm going to tell the group this Sunday. I'm going to say, okay, there are limited mentors available. But those mentors that are available are able to do multiple students at a time. So that's what we recommend you do. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Perfecto. we Good morning. You made a test? Yes, Testing 1-2 sounds good to me. Thank you. All right. What? Okay. Oh, we're still checking. Checking. Hello. Hello. Are we good? Okay. Oh, I got you. I watched it, but I didn't watch this. I found it oh, okay, good. Yeah, I found it. The, the whole thing. Jacob. Yeah. 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 We thought he liked that kind of the science yeah. And yeah. And I'm just like right going, that's a new mm-hmm. perspective my animals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how uh, yes. who we are, and we're not all there is. No. Well, well it's not t- Yeah. It's no, it's just, it's just, just Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I'm like, when you get this perspective, yeah, you're going, yeah, I think I, think I can handle it. I think you've got me handled it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm good because I'm just like this. <laughs> I know. I think you've got me covered. <laughs> right. I'm good Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I was, yeah, that was good. That was really awesome. Okay, good morning, everyone. We'll get started as people gather in. How's everybody doing today? Have a good week. All right. Tell me something good. Testimony. That's what that means. Okay. Praise God. Uh, okay. Right here first. Yes. Yeah. The Bible, Bibles and Burgers at Graham Park yesterday. That's good. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's right. Who else? Huh? Are you a handyman, Jason? That's, a good that's what they say. <laughs> that's what my friends tell me. <laughs> that's good. Yes. All right, so the Lord is positioning her for favor. That's good. Who else has something good? Anyone? Yeah, Michael? I will tell you, Catholics make great Protestants. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yes. Oh, that we had to get the hindrance out. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. That's another way to look at it. What? Mm-hmm. See, you just got to get you. Got to get some break through the atmosphere. We're gonna be talking about that this morning, so that'll be a good. Isn't that great? And you were sitting there thinking, I might have to change. Hey, that's good. That's good. Awesome. Who else? Okay. Well, let's pray. Who has a prayer request? Anything quickly? Yes. Your mother needs touch on her body. Yes. Let's pray. Oh, yes. Uh, A job from home. Okay. Okay. The Lord knows how to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you, your eye is on the sparrow, Lord God. Not one sparrow falls to the ground without your notice, God. That the very hairs of our head are numbered, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would minister your healing grace to those who need it, To, Lord God, to Yvonne's mother, Lord God. We just speak healing, Lord God, that you would give her, Father, such a will to live, Lord God, that you would cause her to rise up And to work against the sickness that is trying to invade her body, Lord. I pray, Father, right now for a job that would come, Lord God, to Belinda. I ask, Lord God, that you would bring the resources, Lord God, that you would bring provision, that you would, Lord God, bring about all things according to your will, Lord God, that she may be a blessing in your kingdom, Lord. We pray, Father, for every person, Lord God, in this room today, that you would minister your touch, Lord God, that you would bring provision, that you would bring grace, Lord God, for healing, for provision, God, for family reconciliation, Lord. We thank you today, Lord. God, open our ears to hear and our eyes to see, God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, we're going to go to Mark, not Mark, Luke, the 11th chapter. Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke, the 11th chapter. I like Luke for that fact, that he was a physician and a historian. And I like the fact, and we know that, we know that physicians are scientists, Right. But he was a scientist who was also a faithmatist. I just made that word up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I learned a new word. <laughs> and you know, we see that that convergence there with Luke. And and Luke was on many, because he wrote Acts as well. So he is on many of the journeys with Paul as an eyewitness. And you always notice when you read Luke. Especially in the Gospels, he always gives a little bit more medical detail. Right. You know, he tells what's wrong with people. So he's not, he, he's coming from a perspective of I, this is what's going on, but then he tells of the healing as well, as, as there's something coming from another realm. And so as we look at Luke today, he, he writes the Gospel of Luke from a historian's point of view. So what does that mean? He wasn't there. Luke wasn't a disciple. He didn't travel with like Matthew, Mark, and John. They traveled with Jesus. They were first account eyewitnesses. Luke writes his gospel as an investigative reporter. Yeah, so he goes back and he, he's being commissioned to do this. As we see that in the first opening of Acts, he, he addresses a man named Theopolis. Is that right? That's his, um, that's his patron. That's who's paying him to write the account. So it's a paid gig. And so he's going, and he is, he's been, because how many of you think that it would be expensive to take the time off to go back and to interview all these people? You know, I mean, you've got, it, there's a cost of living associated with that. So he's been commissioned <laughs> by a patron to go and he goes and he investigates so he's he's talking to when when we have mary and he's probably he's he's talking to the disciples he's talking to mary the mother of jesus he's talking to all these people and he's and he's filling in the gaps as it were and this is and you're saying well this is still inspired by the holy spirit but what would have happened totally off course from what I'm going to talk about, but it'll, we'll get back there. What would have happened if Luke had not decided to take the time to do his mission, his assignment? See, there's a circumstantial aspect. There's Theopolis, and there's the, probably there's the commissioning of Luke to do this job. Do you think that Luke said... I am going to write a part of the canon of scriptures that on on October the 17th already on October the 17th 2021 the class the life class at Crossroads church in Greenville Texas will be reading my account. He didn't say that did he? (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) see that's what happens in our lives the assignments the places the commissioning that the Lord has given you for an assignment all you see is the ordinary of it you don't know how you don't know the fruit that it's going to bear you don't know the longevity of it in your life all you're called to be is a faithful servant and so many of us, we get so caught up in the instant gratification. I want to feel successful now. I want to be, be rewarded now. I want to see all the fruit of my labor right now. How many of you know that's just not always possible? But the, the faithfulness, your ability to stay... On the track of the assignment is God's what He's looking for in you. He's like, I'll, I'll take care of the fruitfulness in the future. You just take care of doing what you're doing right now. You know, with your will, how many of you have a will? Yeah, we all should be raising our hands because you all have one. We all have a will. With your will, you can exercise dominion over yourself. How many of y'all believe that? You do that. That's what you use your will for, is you exercise dominion over yourself. But then, who else has a will? God has a will. There's the will of God, and there's the will of man. When I take my will, and I align it with his will, see, because when I'm under his will, now we can exercise dominion where in the cosmos that's that was the assignment of humanity now you say what I control the cosmos well not exactly you control it under his wheel I was telling Mike this the other that he went great now Andrew is in charge of the cosmos oh boy, oh boy. that's not what I'm saying that you have, so, and we see this, it took the Lord how many days to create everything? Six, and he rested on the seventh, right? Now, isn't it amazing that in six days he created everything we see without the interference of any other wills? How quick that was? There was just one will. Whose? His. His. Man, he was busting it out, wasn't he? You add humanity and all these other wills. And now you add fallenness. And now what you have, how long did it take? Jesus was the Lamb of God crucified from what point? According to the Bible, the foundation of the earth. So, the foundation of the earth. Before God ever said, let there be light, before God ever said anything, Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation was already thoroughly in place. That's why God could rest. Because he would never be able to rest had the plan of salvation not been sufficient to undergo his scrutiny. Isn't that amazing? He stayed at rest because the plan was good. And so, if Jesus was the Lamb of God crucified from the foundation of the earth, yet it took how many years to actually manifest Jesus Christ on the earth and see him crucified? How many? 4,000. Now, you say that was all in the plan of God, and I agree that it was. But how many of you know that God does not always get his will? I can prove that to you scripturally. Here, Here we see... Jesus said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you as a chick under my wings, as chicks under my wings, but you were not willing. So many things. Now what we're saying, was God not really in control? Of course he's in control. Absolutely, but he has chosen in his sovereignty to operate in the arena of free wills. So just because you have a call and you have an assignment does not necessarily mean that it's going to be completed unless you submit your will to his will and you walk that out in a daily application. He's not just going to sweep you up and put you on autopilot. Everybody agree with that? So, as we're so that brings us to what we're talking about today. Ours is a faith walk, ours is a faith talk, ours is a faith life. So, faith is coming to the reality that what I see is not all there is and what i know is not all that is knowable you say well well duh andrea you would think that that would be so utterly simplistic simplistic enough for us to be faith walkers but we're not because at the end of the day we think that the boundaries of our life are hard and fast and our knowledge realm, it is so hard, guys, to break beyond your knowledge. It is. It's hard to break beyond the idea that you there are things that you just don't know. And the idea that what you are, what you see, is not all that there is to be seen. And that the realm of God, the faith realm... The realm of the unseen. He's the God of faith. Because even if we deny him, he will never deny himself. If we are faithless, but the Bible says, if we are faithless, what does he remain? Why? Because he cannot be anything other than what he is. He is faith-filled. That's what faithful means. He's full of what? Faith. He's the God of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For they that come to God must believe that, number one, he is. How many of you have ever seen God? Raise your hand. Right. That's it. So you've seen faith manifested him. See, how many have ever seen the physical, I'll say it this way, the physical appearance of God Almighty? Do you, just because you hadn't seen him. Oh. He's still there. He was there before you got here. Long before. He will be here long after you're gone. You see that there's a, I want us to start moving into an arena where we understand that just because we see it, doesn't mean it has to remain that way. And just because we don't see it, doesn't mean we can't. Doesn't mean we can't see it. That sounded like bad English for a second. So we have to understand this. Now going to Luke 11. Jesus here, he was praying in a certain place, he being Jesus, when he, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. He's talking about John the Baptist there. He said to them, when you pray, say. Now, this is not what you say every time, but this is the the structure, right? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, whose will's there? And who else's? Always your will and God's will. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also forgive anyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Then he said to them, so he's teaching them to pray. So now he's going to tell them a parable, a story to teach a lesson. Then he said to them, which of you has a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine is on a journey. Honest his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then he will answer from within. Do not trouble me, for the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give you anything, I say to you. Though he will not rise and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will... Um, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any of you who is a father, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father? give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. What is he going to give? Because the Holy Spirit is a boundless resource. The Holy Spirit connects you to what realm? The unseen realm. And so we have here, but there's one little part in this scripture I really want to look at for just a moment. Which of you has a friend shall go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves. Because I have had a friend who've, who has arrived on a journey and I got to have food to set before him. And he knocks on the door of his friend at midnight. And his friend hears his knock and comes to the door and says, what do you want? He says, I want you to give me three loaves of bread. No, I won't. Don't you know this is a, wrong, this is a, this is a poor hour? I'm not going to open the door and give it to you. You don't understand, friend. I'm not leaving till you do. I know you have three loaves of bread and I have a need. And he says, Jesus says he's not getting it because of he's a friend. It's a relationship thing. He says he's getting it because of his attitude with regard to the ask. Now, when you read this, how many of you kind of go, we start putting it through the lens of well, does God not want to answer? Is he not my friend? Is he not because he's my friend? Is he getting up? Am I having to bug him? Is that how this prayer thing is going? What's being taught here? What's being taught here? And so I've, I've, I've never taught on this because that's where I, all, I was like, I don't, you know, this is like, mm, God, I know that's good, but I just don't get it. The way I keep viewing that is causing me confusion about who you are. Anybody else but me? And so I look at that, and as I began to study on faith, and the Lord spoke to me, then he said, Andrea, just because, he used my my topo chico, just because you're full and you have, and that's, that's what you see, and that you see this, and that's what you see, he said, that doesn't mean that's all there is. But when we're so convinced that what we see is all there is, that your medical need, your physical need, your emotional need, your relational need, your financial need. That's all there is, and you fixate on that. What happens is, is that faith doesn't actually come into play. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. But see, what, what the Lord, I think, has begun to show me with regard to the story is how prayer is the activity of faith. What was the other activity of faith that we learned about Wednesday night, Mike? Worship is an activity of faith. You don't worship because it's your favorite song. If you do, and that's the criteria of your worship, you're just not a worshiper. You're a fan of the performer. That's just truth, y'all worship is what you do in a dark room at 1 a.m. when you just wake up and you just say god i just want to worship you if you are a worshipper you worship whether the song is your liking the the music is where you want it or not we have had For the past 25 years, we have had an egregious lack of worship in our churches because we have had high performance and high talent, and we have the best of the best of the best. We have lights, camera, and action. I mean, it's skinny jeans and fog machines. And that may be all well and good, but what it has cost us are worshipers. Because we have been trained that if the drummer's hitting that beat just right, and the you know, and we've got that song, and everything is is tantalizing my my emotions in the room, and then I can feel the worship. See, we pastored a church in Scotland. And we, we planted it. So we were a little bit lacking on the talent, per se. It was out there, all around us. They just hadn't come in and actually stepped on the stage yet. We were in that between state. So you know how our Sunday morning worship went? We had a, how old was she, Mike? 89-year-old woman who learned to play two songs on a Hammond organ but she didn't learn to play them well. She learned to chord them. Brr, sing that chord. burn, sing that chord. If you know I'm talking, if you know anything about an organ. And then she filled in the gaps, Elijah will love this, with a tambourine. <laughs> I'm telling you, if we could rank bad music, this was the baddest of the bad, was it not? It was worse than that. We sometimes had a, a master's commission student who would take the train and come in from a 30 minutes away from another village and for Scots to travel 30 minutes, it was unheard of. Unheard of. They just didn't travel that far. So. Andrew Lightfoot, praise the Lord for him, he would come in and he was, he was learning. He was a new musician. He played the drums. But how many of you know, he's a great drummer, but how many of you know it's hard to be a song leader from a drums? I mean, unless you're Phil Collins, it's just not working. And so Andrew came and he said, you know what, I'll come, I'll play the guitar, but I only know one song. And we said, and that's the song we want. And so he came in, and every time he came in, he sat on the platform on a stool playing his one song on the guitar, and we sang, How Great is Our God. Sing with me, How Great is Our God. We sang it over and over again. We had 30 or 40 people. They started coming in. Boy, those Scots can sing. Scottish people are musically talented and gifted. They were singing. They didn't care that we only had one song. It was worship. It wasn't... See, if we could just get to the place that faith, people of faith worship. They worship when it's their song and when it's not their song. They don't even have to have a song. They're just going to worship because worship is what's in them. And worship is the activity of faith agents. Do I have any faith agents in the room? Then I should have... Elijah shouldn't have to encourage you to worship. Elijah should have to try to keep up with you in worship. This is, that's what faith looks. So, prayer is another activity of faith. Prayer goes to God. Prayer goes to God. Prayer goes to God. Worship goes to God. Praise goes to God. These are activity, they are activities that extend beyond ourselves, beyond our limits, beyond our resources, beyond our knowledge. They begin to connect us with the real resources, with the real knowledge, with the real power. If you just want to hang out in your power, Lord bless you. I wish you well with that. there's most people do truthfully because they know how to operate there it doesn't cost them anything they don't have to look stupid they don't have to risk they don't have to try they can say dignified and poised you're saying Andrew you saying faith is undignified generally I don't read the book for yourself. We've got a man here. Jesus is teaching us how to connect with the unseen realm. That's what he's doing. Lord, teach us to pray. I'm going to teach you how to connect, how to get outside yourself and connect with the unseen realm. So he uses this story and he, he purposely puts some little sticking points in it. You notice that? And he just leaves it there like a burr in your saddle. I love how Jesus does that. And he says, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to teach you to pray. How about a, one of you has a friend. And you have a friend who comes on a journey. And you don't have what you need to supply the need. So you get up. What time is it? How many of you like to get up out of your house at midnight and go looking for what you don't have? How many of you, see what's funny about this story is the guy who has the bread, who has the resources, it's midnight. You think the guy knocking doesn't know that? It's midnight for both of them. And see, faith will get you out of the boundaries of what's comfortable, What's normal? You don't go knocking on doors at midnight, do you? Go try it. It's your neighborhood. Yeah. A knock at midnight is an alarm. Yeah. And y'all all nothing's changed from this day to this day. Somebody's knocking on your door at midnight. It is what's wrong. Something's wrong. And the main, so so see here. Here's what faith does. It gets out of its boundaries of resource, and it goes knocking. It goes seeking. It goes asking. See, Jesus is saying, I want to teach you to pray. But prayer is more than just a formula of words that are strung together to make cohesive sense. Prayer is an attitude. Faith is a position of attitude. Faith is an abandoning of yourself and all that you have within your resource realm and it's moving beyond that realm to where true resource lies. Most of us never actually, unfortunately, engage in faith because we're too stinking proper we're too locked in to our realm of comfort what is normal see we're, we're wanting to reach faith reaches into the supernatural we might call it the abnormal right How many of y'all think the the supernatural realm is a bit abnormal? I mean, I think it's supposed to be our new normal, but I think it's become so sometimes so foreign to us because we've gotten so locked in to the sight realm that we don't even know how to really operate there many times and see. And so to see things that happen in the spirit realm that actually impact our world become fantastic, become extraordinary, Here's the fact of faith. You've got to leave your realm of resource in order to get his. You've got to. Sometimes that steps over the threshold of your knowledge. Sometimes it steps over the threshold of what is appropriate in your mind. Sometimes it steps over the threshold of what is normal, of what you understand. But when he gets there, he knocks on the door and his friend runs to the door to help him because he knew he must be desperate to be there at midnight. Is that what the story says? His friend, a friend says, go away when mike and i landed in scotland we'd never been there had we never been there because we thought well it didn't work out for the spies so we're not going to go either we're just going to we're just going to drive in full force and in order to get us to Scotland, God moved, I mean, it was super, I mean, we just, supernatural provision. I mean, to show you, the tell you the things, you probably just wouldn't even believe it. Just think, right? I mean, the Lord would direct us and he, <clears throat> I was looking through potential rentals one day online and I'd ask the Lord, I said, Lord, I'd like to have as big a house as I can possibly afford. We have a budget and we have to stay within. This is how much you have for your housing. Done. That's it. Springfield determines that. So I'm looking at that number, and I'm looking at houses because I'm trying to get prepared. We've already rented a flat in the area where we're going to be planting a church, sort of in the area, for a month while we're waiting on our furniture to come. So we're just going to stay there temporarily. And so then we're going to use that time to find us a house. I was looking through rental things, just trying to get <clears throat> the lay of the land, and the Lord spoke to me. And I'd already asked him for as big a house as I could possibly afford because I wanted to host teams, so I wanted bedrooms, right? I'm looking through, and this house, I had seen it before. It was gigantic. How many bedrooms do I have, Mike? Six. Actually, it had seven, but one wasn't considered a bedroom. It was considered a box room. It's called where basically a closet. A box room. had six bedrooms. And how many bathrooms? One, two three four bathrooms it was way I'd seen it before way out of our budget brand new never been lived in and the Lord and I was going through one day and the price was dropped to our budget and the Lord spoke to me and said that's your house get it call we don't know where it's at well, I was like, what's the, where's the place and we start looking you know google map I'm going, I'm looking all the way down, you know, I'm using the satellite imagery. I want to know, is it setting on a train track? What's the catch here, right? You know, I'm just, because I don't, I mean, how many of you know to rent something sight unseen with a year lease? You don't, and they dropped it? How many of y'all are suspicious like me? <clears throat> But I heard God, and so I said, Mike, I think this is our house, and so we're supposed to get this, and so we called the letting agent, and they're like, oh, yes, you know, and we're trying, you know, we want it, and we want to put down a deposit, and we already got our clearance and everything, and so he, and they said, oh, we have to do a credit check, and you don't have, you have to have a Scottish credit to be approved for this house. We're like, we don't have Scottish credit because we're Americans, and we're moving to Scotland. Oh, Sadie, That's what everything was oh sorry oh i sorry i was like oh no god i think you said this is my house lord said call we had rented we sold our house in hot springs and rented a house for six months while we were itinerating we weren't living in that house anymore lord said call your landlord and get a letter of reference recommendation from the last place you rented and how many of you know that faith is always faithful How do you think I left that last house? What if I had not left that last house immaculate? Do you see how my past history would have disqualified me for my present blessing? Just saying, that's not a part of the story, but somebody needs to take that. I was renting from another person who owned that, and I lived in it like it was my honor to represent my landlord well. And when I left that house, I left it cleaner than it was when I moved in. I cleaned baseboards. It was perfect. I never said, oh, well, it wasn't this clean when I moved in. I said, it'll be this clean when I move out. Not because of who I am, but because of who I represent. And so I had no trouble calling that landlord. They wrote me a letter that sounded like I was the god of renters. (laughs) It impressed me. I was like, am that, really? You thought that about us? I mean, it was a full page. It wasn't like, I highly recommend these people. These people, you know, they, they paid their rent. It went on and on about the condition of the house and how clean it was and how they didn't even have to hire a cleaning service before they moved someone in, that they were able to le- to lease it back up. I mean, it went on and on. They said, in all my years of renting houses, I have never, ever encountered a tenant who had this type of 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 service to a hot I mean it wasn't it I was like well lord I sent it to them you know what they said they read it and they went we will be happy to rent you this house but do you see how faith works faith doesn't is not just working in your moment It was work, it has to, you've got, faith is working in those little places that nobody sees, that you don't think are important. They become of colossal importance somewhere down the road. Yes. Yeah, it wasn't just something that we just wanted because we just thought we want to live in a big house. We had team after team after team. We stacked people in that house all over the place. And then... We get there, we didn't know why. I mean, this house had never been lived in. It was the biggest, most beautiful house we've ever lived in to date, right? It didn't just have the house. It was setting up on a hill. The view, it had the best view in all of Scotland. It had when the twin, I mean, it had a million dollar view. We were like, what? This is incredible. And so we, that's, it was just incredible. The landlord came over. He said, y'all know how lucky you are to get this house? We went, yeah. He said, let me tell you how this happened. He said, I got in dire financial straits. And I could not afford to keep this house. I couldn't afford the mortgage on it. Because he had bought it and was paying the mortgage on it. He said, I had to drop the rental price to just cover my mortgage to rent it up fast, or I would go broke. So that drop, we went, and we'll take that. Thank you. We were renting it for a thousand pounds less than it was supposed to rent for. A thousand pounds is about $2,000, a little under. So I say this faith, what you are is something. But it's not nearly enough to accomplish what God is calling you to accomplish. And what you have is wonderful. But if you would just be willing to step over the threshold of your house. Are y'all getting the imagery now? Prayer. Moving beyond the threshold of your house. And looking at your life for faithfulness it is if I declared myself to be a person of enormous faith who could raise the dead heal the sick cast out devils but I couldn't keep my own house clean Would my healing the sick, raising the dead, and casting out devils been what was appropriate for me to receive what I needed for my future assignment? It wouldn't have, would it have? See, there is a reality to the life you're living. I am, when I'm talking about what you are is not all that there is, and what you know is not all that is to be known. But faith is still responsible for what you have and what you know and what is the little that is within your grasp. The little. You don't know how God is going to use your faithfulness in the most minuscule places. You don't know. See, God didn't tell me, Andrea, I need you to be a good housekeeper. Because your housekeeping skills are going to be a part of your assignment for greater reward later on. You see, if he had told me that, I might have, you know, been like, okay, I'm going to keep a good house for that. But see, he doesn't tell you that, does he? See, he, he uses things like, if you are faithful in that which is least, he will make you ruler over much. If you are faithful in that which is a another man's, then he will give you your own. See, faith is not just reaching beyond who you are, faith is how you steward what you have. Most of us are not even candidates for true faith walk because we have not, excuse <clears> me, <throat> learned to steward. What is in the ordinary of our life? We are reaching for extraordinary and our ordinary is just being dealt with as junk. How you do your job. How you manage your finances. Oh, you didn't know faith. That's where faith starts. That's... Faith doesn't just leave its house. Faith understands all that is within its house does not belong to itself. It is only on loan from God. I remember I was the director of a housing authority in Archer City and when I went to, took the job... I knew it was going to create quite a bit of consternation. Not, I was a woman. I was still a woman back then. (laughs) Never had had a woman lead that because I had a staff, and they were mostly men. And so when I did the board meeting for the interview, it was ran by a board. And I said, "Um, how do you think the staff is going to fly with a woman, you know, being their boss they said well we don't really care this is what we want to do they say they'll all be good with it come to find out they were fine ish with a woman being their boss what really was the sticking point was a pastor's wife that was the rub they said i heard it you know through the grapevine that they had said, <clears throat> she will not come in here talking about God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My secretary went to our church. And so, I mean, you know, so I went, I wasn't going to talk about God. And I wasn't going to shy, I wasn't trying to impress them. I mean, you're going you're to be here on time? You might be here 15 minutes early. But you better take your meds in enough time to be functioning by the time you get here. You're like, what? That's why I told them. If you're still waiting on your meds to kick in, get up a little earlier. I mean, when I come in, I expect you to actually be ready to work. And then we walk in. And then, I I mean, it's constant. I mean, I'm just like, I'm me. I think y'all probably see. Can we take off? Are all the work orders done? no, then when the work orders are done, you can take off. I mean, how many are like, I want to work for her? And so it just kept on. It just kept going. And finally, they came in and they were like, you know, they didn't want to talk about God. Every single day, at the end of the day, they came to my office. And who brought up God every single time? They did. Every time. We talked about God more than we talked about anything. I told one of my, my Maintenance guys, he'd had a heart attack and he dipped. And he was severely overweight. And I said, you really need to go to church. He said, why? I said, because anybody, if anybody needs to go to church, you do. He said, why? I said, because you've got one foot on a banana peel and the other one in the grave. He went, what? That's terrible. I said, it's not terrible. It's reality. Come on, let's do it. Well, he showed up to church. I mean, that was enough. Some people just need somebody to shake them a little bit. So he came to church. Another one of my employees said this. He said, he I said, passed out their checks. He said, let me guess. When you, this is what he said. Let me guess. When you get your check, I bet you're going to tithe. Well bet. I, they didn't want to talk about God. I went, yeah, I actually, I actually am you know, and I figured, you know, the ten, I said, the gross here, 10%. I said, that first 10 belongs to God. He laughed. I said, I said, because this whole check belongs to God. He lent. Pay to the order of, and he read his name. Oh. I said, yeah. I said, but see that right there? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. He said, but I did the work for this money. I said yes, and as far as I know, God provided the air that oxygenated the cells that that works worked hard against every cigarette that you puff on all day long and steal God's faithfulness. He didn't withhold His air because you're trying to kill yourself. He, in His mercy, still supplied the oxygen to every cell that He carried it to every part of your body through the the vein system that he created to energize your muscles, to provide you with your brain capacity to tell your body what to do every moment to do this work. That might have your name on it, but that's on loan from God. And one day you are going to give account for every breath that you have taken of his air and you will give him what he has coming to him. So it might have your name on it. But you are only a steward. There is nothing. This is faith. See, this is how faith works. This is the truth of faith. Faith is, this is where faith is really the nitty gritty of faith. That faith really operates the best is When you want to be a person of great faith, the Lord wants to look into the interior of your house. And he he wants to say, are you a faith agent? Are you faithful in that which is little? You didn't know mowing your grass was a part of faithfulness? You know why I mow my grass? I love mowed grass. But also, you know why I do it too? I do it for my neighbors. But I don't want, you know, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I'm not saying there's, see, you don't know what faith, faith. God's looking, he's looking at how you, so many people are like, it's my grass by God. I'll take care of it like I want to. See, faith goes. there's faith that goes way into the everyday operation of your life. Faith is moving you into places that you steward what you're given because you understand it's been graced to you. How, how are we going to be people who have, who have stepped into the arenas of great faith? Great faith. The places where reservoirs of resource have been open to us and we haven't learned to steward in the kindergarten of our finances. I know how faithful people are. If I could just look at your checkbook. This doesn't really go over with the shout. Shout. But this is where faith is measured. I would be in error to stand up here and tell you something other than this. This is how I live my life. Faith is how I steward what's in my house. Yes, there comes a time where faith... Where there's, I don't have the resources in my house. And I step across that threshold at the midnight hour and I make my way across town and I knock on the door and I say, God, I don't have all that I need. This happens all the time. But I go out with integrity of knowing. That God, I have done what you've called me to do. The little that you've given me, I have stewarded it. I have placed it. I've tried my best because that is an act of faith. And God, and see, what I'm doing, I'm not preaching that I'm earning something for a reward. All I'm telling you is that you can't be trusted with true riches until you've learned to operate in faith in the small. How many of you would give a five-year-old a loaded gun? It would be foolish, wouldn't it? But, because you see, right, it would, be, it would be devastating. Exactly. But what if you train that child through giving them gun lessons? making them understand the power of that gun, making them understand the operation of that gun, what was appropriate under your direct supervision, and you only allowed it to put it in their hand in certain times so that they could use it in, a, in proportion with certain activities. And then it went right back. Right? Y'all know this how this works, right? Anything else is foolish, right? Until finally, does there get to be a time where that five, five-year-old matures in years to where he actually can hold a gun on his own. This is how faith works. Faith is more powerful than any loaded gun. Faith in the smallest amount is enough to move kingdoms. Mountains. faith in the smallest amount can uproot faith attaches us to the unseen realm as the gates of heaven the church where is the church right here I'm one. I make up a body. Bethel. Bethel. The house of God. Jesus said, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus is not talking about homelessness there. He's talking about him having a house to live in, his headship. And so when we, he comes into our life, we as the house of God, Genesis 28, is it time to go? Genesis 28 says, Jacob saw a ladder extending from where heaven to earth what was on the ladder angels ascending and descending what were the angels doing what do y'all think they were doing working out getting their steps in (laughs) Commuting commuting to work very good they were bringing, as the Word of God says, it's quoting a hundred and tenth Psalm. It quotes it in, in Hebrews two-ish, I think. It says that the angels are ministers of fi- are ministers, and I'm messing it up. You know, I'm not Dean Caldwell. Sorry. So, but they're basically doing a job. They're bringing heaven to earth, and earth, see, oh, they're bringing stuff back and forth. But where are the where are these angels actually commuting to? From and to, where's the commuting points? From God to the church. From God to Bethel. From God to Bethel. And, and Jacob, he named it Bethel. It was called Luz before, but he named it Bethel. He said, because this is, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Wait. Who's the house? Let's go back. Come on, we gotta get New Testament. Who's the house of God? We are. Who's the gate of heaven? We are here. I am the place. I, my life. I am thy will be done on earth right here as it is in heaven I am the very gate the gate is an entrance where two atmospheres coexist it's the entrance into one when you're out there doing burgers and Bibles your gates when you're walking in Walmart I become aware of this all the time. I pray as I'm walking through marshals. Lord, make me aware of your presence. I, just like I, Lord, everything I have. See, my the breath in my body, the time, my presence. I'm a gate. I steward this moment. God, step through me and bring your kingdom here. That is what faith agents do. And you get enough of those gates understanding that in a room together. That's why you go to church. You don't go to church to get good. You go to church to get gates together. And then you these people, these gates, these, these houses of God, they understand that faith operates in the house and faith operates outside the house. And they start learning how to change the atmosphere through worship and praise and prayer and they begin to open the door so you're thinking heaven's going to come in some. it's coming right here and heaven begins to move in and you get enough gates opening up what'll happen is cars on 30 will begin to exit and turn around and come in you know what why they'll say something's going on here We'll say, yes, there's a gate open. Who left the gate open? I don't know, but let's leave it. See, that's what we're trying to do, guys. We're trying, people of faith, this is not about healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out devils. That's good, that's good, that's good. But if you don't have the house in order and you don't understand how faith operates, it operates in the house and it operates beyond the threshold. Heaven wants to step through us in order to change this environment. What does a world in disorder need? A man or a woman in order for you to open the gate and see heaven invade earth. Lord, let us be gates today, God. Let faith operate in our life. Let it move through us and to us. tell us a long time ago and really? I'm glad you teach us the gate of heaven. Yep. I love heaven and I'm not ready to go yet, but... <laughs> 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 well, <just> <laughs> well, that's true. We're not ready to go yet, but we'll-